There's nothing that I have to do. There's not no one else that I, I have to be in order to be enough. Mm-hmm. You know, like I am enough and I've always been enough. I think that that's like, that's, that's such a tremendous thing that, that, that unleashes within us incredible creative potential, you know, our, our fullest creative potential comes out of us when we are able to really accept that. This is Way of the Artist with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Identifying your blocks and demystifying your struggles so that you can claim your own path and make your life a work of art. Well, there's no time like the present time because why not? Because why not? What other time is there going to be? So why on earth would we wait to be in the perfect moment, Brandon? Why would we wait to be in the perfect moment? When is that going to happen? How do we know that that's happening? What does that even look like? These and many more are perhaps questions that we will dive into, maybe to answer to some extent but maybe just to explore and mine and see what we can. I feel like this intro that I'm doing right now, I'm like, I feel like I'm, I'm doing some sort of like a fifties or sixties advertisement or something like that. Find out more after the break. Um, (laughs) But yeah, no, this is a, I think this is a really interesting topic that just kind of, uh, that just kind of, so like, hey, that would be an interesting thing to talk about just based on our discussion and has a lot to do with uh, art and creativity. And there's definitely an angle we can take on that. But uh, as with most things that we discuss on this show, there's usually far reaching implications of, of some of this stuff. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. Brandon, what do you want to say to start this off? Wow. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm tuning in to the, after the commercial, you know, I want to know, um, (laughs) this, uh, this whole idea. I mean, I get it. I I totally get the struggle that goes on with this whole thing where you're waiting to be ready. You're, you're trying to get everything organized and prepared. You want to be in the perfect state. Uh, you want to be emotionally ready. You want to be well-rested, you know, all of that stuff. And you don't want anything in your way because it, it, it feels so meaningful and so precious and so important. And I think that that type of pressure works against us more often than, than is really healthy. I, I do think there is sometimes occasionally good reason for holding off on something for, for giving it a little extra, just be like, let's just count to 10 on this. Let's just take a little extra time. Let's not jump into this. Let's just take a moment, gather ourselves. But I also think that you either need something external to hold you accountable, or you need to hold yourself accountable because that waiting time for when you're ready to launch or do it or whatever it is, that can be put on indefinitely. And, and, you know, I think what you need to do is if you're going to wait and you're going to say, well, this is a justifiable time to wait until I'm ready for this perfect moment or be in this perfect place or whatever that might be. Um, if that is in fact the case, and you do really 
authentically and honestly feel like it's good for you to do this, you need to set a date, a deadline or something. And you need to face the fact that your deadline, if you set it, come hell or high water, however you're feeling when that, when you get there, you do it no matter what, there is no backing out once you set that deadline. Otherwise, if you're not going to live by that deadline, then you do it right now. Cause there is no excuse because if you betray your deadlines, you literally undermine everything about making anything like good. Cause you, you only get so much prep because the artist or the creative or the entrepreneur will prep forever because you're never done. And that's one of the lessons you've got to learn. So you just have to decide if, if I need a day or I need a week or I need a month or I need a year or whatever you need, you go, this is the amount of time I have to get ready. And that's it. No more. There's Mm -hmm. absolutely no more on this day. If I have not done it, there's a major consequence that I have to face. And here's what it is and lay that out because you know, you'll just put things off indefinitely. And then, you know, um, I, I have some stories to share, but tomorrow might never happen. So if you're ever going to put something into tomorrow, you better be really, really sure that that's the right move for you to do. Yeah. I think that, yeah, (laughs) eventually there's a, a time when you just have to say go and, and within something like, you know, I'm even thinking of something like theater, you know, like within, within something like theater, you don't have a choice. The show's going up on, on this day, you know, if you're an actor, it's like, you got to have your shit together, you know, or, you know, the thing is with theater is like, you have rehearsals. So you're kind of accountable along this whole string of ways. So in some senses, even more of like, you're, you're doing film or television or something like that. You have your call date, you have your day that you're coming in and they're going to be fucking filming you. Yeah. And you got to be ready. And there's a good chance that maybe you didn't have any kind of rehearsal process whatsoever. So there's no choice and you've got to, no matter what you've got, you've got to come in with whatever it is that you've got, no matter how much prep. And the thing is, is that I think that there's always a sense of, especially when you're doing something meaningful and you're doing something creative, there's no end to the amount of prep that you have or could, could possibly do. So this whole thing of being in this perfect place, perfect moment to, to be able to do it is kind of a fallacy because I think that, I I also think that there, there's something, there's something that can only come into what you're doing, you know, like, so staying with the acting parallel to this, there's something that enters into your performance that can only enter into the performance the moment that you're doing it. That's, that's not even the same as even if you had rehearsals, there's something about now it's time to do this. Now we are putting this in front of an audience. Now we are putting this on camera, whatever it is, something is brought to your performance that can't be brought to it otherwise. And that's an exciting thing. That's a good thing, right? That all the prep, could not possibly prepare you for could not possibly lend to you. Um, there's one thing that as you're talking as well, I think is important to bring up in terms of this conversation. You know, we've called this one 
waiting to be in the perfect moment. I think that another sort of variation of this title that I think is important is waiting to be perfect in the moment, which is something that I really want to talk about. And in some ways is maybe the biggest part that I want to talk about actually is this idea of waiting to be perfect Mm -hmm. in the moment, waiting to be perfect for some sort of moment to happen in order to move forward, in order to go ahead with something. This idea of having to be something before you're ready, before you're good enough, all of that kind of shit. Um, that I think is a really important element of this. I agree. I think it's the most important part of this conversation as well. I think that going from the psychology of how we work it and how we think about it in general, and I mean, maybe not everybody's the same. I'm just taking from my own general experience and from the artists and entrepreneurs and stuff that I've worked with. And it tends to be this type of well, I'm, I'm getting ready, you know, type of thing. Like, you know, like right now, isn't the right time, blah, blah, blah. There's reasons, there's story and all of that. And that's how we psychologically kind of tell the story to justify, you know, not taking action in the moment. And I think that's actually not even the most important part, but I think it's important we comment on that's probably how you're doing it. Um, if you're doing it. And I I think that the other part of this conversation, which is like the moment is now, this is your moment. Like this is it right now, you know? And, um, it's, it's one of those things where if you can accept that what you have right now is enough and you might not even know how, and you might think that something that's working against you is like holding you back consider that it actually might be working for you. So for example, say you're about to go into an acting scene and it's a love scene and you're supposed to like be really connected with this person. And you're supposed to like, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it's designed. So you're supposed to look at them with such love and affection and all you feel in your body is just rage and anger or, you know, sadness or something that is like seemingly inappropriate. You got to learn to trust that whatever is going on inside of you somehow serves this and it's necessary. And if you look at it, and I don't mean, you don't need to be religious to look at it this way, but I'm just going to, as a, as a matter of phrase, as a gift from God or a gift from the universe, that it gave you this on purpose. It, it, it's actually, there's like a higher self. There's like a higher medium that's actually working through you right now. And if you could just trust that you'd realize that it's actually giving you something better than you could have ever prepared for. It's actually giving you something that you wouldn't have the knowledge or awareness to prepare for yourself, but it's giving you that. And if you just dealt with it and used it, you might find out that it, it unravels something in what you're about to do. That's so much more important. And when you're in an acting scene, you know, there's the obvious, and this is just more from a writing directing point of view. One of the biggest errors I've seen, and I've seen thousands of, of actors audition for my work. One of the most common things that actors make for a mistake is playing the scene the way they think it should be played. It's, it's when you see 
a whole lot of people come out and they do the role and they do the role and they do the role and they all kind of play it the way it looks. It, you start to see that that's almost the cliche of the scene or the trap of the scene. But then every once in a while, an actor comes in and they don't do that and they let something real come through. And you might find out that this rage maybe, for example, that's underneath, it actually serves as this really interesting counterpoint. And it brings something out of the scene that it you wouldn't have been able to bring out if that wasn't kind of underlying in your life and you weren't allowing yourself to use it. Um, so, there, so there's that. And then, you know, I think we should also talk about this and I'll pass it on to you in a sec. I think we should also talk about how so often we're trying to not be where we are <laughs> and how that's such a big issue. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a conflict. You know, I, I think that we are as human beings, we have these idealized, like we have these idealized states, which is very much what this conversation is about. You know, like the, the perfect moment, that's an ideal. There's some ideal that you're, trying you're you're waiting for to happen whether that's a circumstance or whether that's how you feel whatever there's this it's all that perfection is is built upon some sort of ideal that you that you have in your in your head and the thing is is that the ideal is so rarely the reality of what is going on and so long as you're trying to live in that ideal um, there's this sort of conflict that you are having with yourself, right? There's the place that you actually are. There's how you actually feel. There's the circumstance you are actually in. And then there's the thing that you, I guess, wish that it was. And that whole thing is, is that conflict. Anytime there's conflict, there's energy that's required. Conflict is a, is an energy leak, so to speak. Um, and I don't mean that as even in necessarily some kind of a, you know, like new agey type of like, it's your energy, man. Like, if, it, it, I, hey, I'm, I'm cool with that shit. If that's your, if that's your thing, I, I, I'm, I'm down with that too. But even just on, a, on a, like, you only have so much physical energy that you have in, in a day and conflict is takes up so much energy that the amount of stress that 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 taxes on your system it's a tremendous amount of energy and we live with these conflicts all the time like when you think about how often do you do you think about some place you would like to be or some situation you would rather be in than the one that you are in right now like if we i think that if we all got really honest with ourselves. It's like every fucking day, multiple times a day <laughs> that we play this game with ourselves. And that's all a waste of energy. Um, and I think that, you know, bringing it back into acting, because I feel like, well, not only is it the area that I have the most knowledge about, but um, it's one where I think that this is so it, it's so directly addressed within the world of acting, you know, which is in that whole thing of like, use it, mm -hmm. right? Like, like you use it, use that, that thing that's going on with you. It's like, yeah, but it, I, it doesn't, I don't think that this is appropriate for the scene. You know, like that's something you hear actors is like, but it's not appropriate. It's like, how the fuck do you know it's not appropriate for, for the scene? 
try it. And it's Mm -hmm. what's real. Like, let's use the thing that's real because you're up there trying to like, you're, you're in an agitated state, but you're trying to pretend that you're something else. And it's clear to all of us watching it, that you're not actually there. So why don't let's, let's use the thing that's actually honest and true and let's see what happens with it. Right. Mm -hmm. Let's see, let's see where it ends up going. And very often something really wonderful comes out of it. Maybe it, it, puts a spin on it. And maybe ultimately it's like, okay, that doesn't necessarily work. But once you've given, once you've given the, that actual space that you're in the floor, once you've actually given it a place where you're not fighting it anymore, it has an opportunity to actually move through you. You know, it has an opportunity to actually come out. And we were talking a little bit about this, before we started recording, but you look at something like you look at almost any art form, but well, let's, let's go music this time because this is one that's uh, probably the most recognizable, but in music and in songwriting so often you say like, Oh, you've like, there's so many sad songs, you know, there's so many songs with pain in them, Um, you know, heartache and, and trials and tribulations. And these are all, for a lot of people very deeply, um, you know, they, they come from a very deep place in the people who have written these songs. And yet there's a kind of a beauty in them and there's a kind of catharsis in them. And I know that even for myself in the, you know, the few songs that I've, that I've written, um, you know, sometimes I've, I've written a song that's, that comes from a place of, of anger and of rage. And I'm writing this thing. And through that process, through that creative outlet of putting this into a song, that anger has been cleared. You know, that anger has gone into something and there's often kind of like a, a light at the end of the tunnel of the whole thing by, by the time you're all finished with it. So you don't know what these things could lead to. You know, you don't know where these things could go if you actually just accepted it, accept the thing that you're at, even though you don't think it's right, even though you don't think it's appropriate, even though that you're judging it at this moment. Try to let go of those judgments about what this thing is. Because if you can let go of those judgments, you there's so often a, a, I don't know, there's like a, there's a, there's a real treasure to be found very often when you let go of the judgments. Yeah. Catharsis is a word that I was actually going to say, and then you, you brought it up. And I feel like that's a really important part of all of this, which is when you're actually true to the moment, you have a catharsis with the moment and the moment passes and the emotion that you're trying so hard to deny or restrict or, or move on from actually just passes through and it can actually pass through almost instantaneously. And when you allow yourself to be open to your actual feelings, you'll find that you have way more access to yourself than when you deny yourself, your true authentic feelings, and then try to push through what feelings you think you should be having. Um, 
you know, there was this moment where I was doing this scene from uh, Patrick Shanley's, uh, you know, Italian American reconciliation. And <clears throat> I'm so angry at, at the woman that I'm talking to. And, you know, we're not communicating and we're not connecting. And there's this moment where we're talking about our fathers and she, and, and she says something like, he didn't love me. And I remember like, even now it brings emotion to me. And I remember just being like, like, I feel that. And, you know, mine didn't love me either. You know, we have this moment and we're so angry at each other. And then we have this moment, of just humanity. And then it turns again and it's like, but we can't keep blaming our fathers. We can't keep doing this. You know, like this is, this is why we're fighting. And it's just that moment just made everyone in the audience. Cause I know, cause, cause multiple people came up and there was, there's moments like this, where if you just let the, whatever's happening happen and you don't try to make it different. You just let it be. And sometimes it's not going to come out that way. Sometimes you're not going to find that, oh, I'm supposed to find empathy here. That's the way to do this. It's like, no, maybe you don't feel any empathy for this person in this moment. And that's fine too. But if you're true to that, you can process it. And, and, and the process thing is so important. One of my classes that we do, we do this, um, we do this thing where we introduce ourselves, but I make I, I actually ask people to tell a bit of a story and the way I get them to tell their story is like, you know, they talk about who they are, but I'm I saying, I want you to tell us essentially um, like, and I give them an example. I walk them through it. I'm not going to do it right now. because It's a little bit too complicated to, to run through, but essentially what I do is I, 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 I help them go through a process where they had a realization at some point in their life where it, bring something up for them, some type of pain, some type of turmoil, some type of like lower moment in their life. And then the realization of that and the transformation they think they've had. It's very powerful because it, it, it helps them to connect to something that they probably pushed away and they have never looked at for a very long time. And also it helps them see how they can champion and learn from their lessons of life. But what often happens is there's a catharsis that happens for people. And I had one client and, and she was like crying for like three months. And she's like, why? I'm, I'm so emotional. I'm crying all the time. What's going on? And I'm like, just trust this process. It's, it's, you're going through a catharsis right now. And it's going to take some time for you because what you're dealing with is a really deep trauma that basically got shoved under the rug and has not been looked at for a very long time. And if you meet her today, she's just so powerful and so connected and so clear. But the catharsis of letting herself feel something that happened when she was just a child, you know, process through to cry it out, to figure it out and to like, let those emotions just exist in her for a little while. And for her, it took a few months, which sounds like a really long time, but like the rest of her life she's healed from that kind of catharsis, you know? And, and I think that's, that's an important part of this whole thing is like, um, you know, as I say, catharsis is like you, you let the emotion have its place. So it doesn't have such a handle over you anymore. 
where it li basically limits you from being you, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's a really important part of, you know, the moment you're in, there's whatever's coming up is something that needs to be processed. So if you deny it process, you essentially are putting yourself, your entire self on, on some type of shelf, you know, in, in the back and saying, no, that's not appropriate right now. Who you really are and what's really going on is not appropriate. So let's not be us. Let's be this pretend version of us and try to work through this. You know, what do you yeah. think you're going to get by doing that? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Let's be this pretend version of us and see if that addresses the real problem that's happening. You know, like it's, it's like how, like yeah. if you really think about that, that statement that you just brought into this conversation, it's like, how is that, how are you supposed to solve a real problem with a confusion? Right. Right. Like, because pretending to be, I know as an actor, that seems kind of, you know, ironic or hypocritical or something like that, but how can you pretend to be something other than what you are, which is a confusion and hope that that's going to address the real thing. Like it's, that's kind of a, an insanity to a certain extent, or maybe to a large extent. I don't know. Um, but no, that was, uh, that's really great stuff, Brandon. That was really great stuff. Let I, me add I, one, one thing to go it. For it. Just, just while we're on the topic, um, your access, I believe to your internal world and your truth comes through a form of catharsis. You have to let it have its day. You have to ha let it have its place. And I know this because look, when I was a kid, like I was neglected a lot and, uh, you know, and, and I went through, I was bullied. I, I went through a lot of stuff that was very painful. And I basically was like, I remember just being like, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. Like life's so fucking hard all the time. And everybody's such an asshole. And like, I don't know how to deal with it. And so I like numbed myself and I developed these kind of ways to basically protect myself from feeling anything. And it kind of worked for a while. I kind of skated through life, like going, like, I feel pretty good. And, um, eventually th that actually becomes worse. Uh, at first it works, but then, um, the almost apathetic, uh, lack of connection to self, it becomes, I don't know how to explain it. It just becomes worse. It just, it, it, it almost like you stuff things down and you disconnect from life and you can't really experience the joy out of life the same way, because once the pain is suppressed, the joy also comes with that and it all gets suppressed and it all gets tucked away. And then you start to kind of go more and more even keel, which looks or seems okay, maybe on the outside, but it's actually not, it's, it's, it's worse than just feeling pain. So, um, what I started to realize was that, look, if I can just embrace feelings and embrace where I'm at as though they are like all emotion is good emotion. All emotion is necessary emotion. All of these things just, they're here to help me and serve me. And if I function like that, I can get everything back. And, and, and I did, um, you know, but one of the downsides too, of being sensitive is that sometimes, you know, the, the world can, you know, it, it can just rub you so slightly and you're just so sensitive to it. And and that's something you've got to kind of work out. You know, you kind of got to figure out like, how do I maintain a certain amount of sensitivity, but at the same time, not be so ruffled by every little thing. And 
you figure that out. But, but I can tell you this, it's better to find your sensitivity on your own terms and then figure out how to courageously walk through the world with sensitivity than it is to just numb out all your sensitivity and basically pretend like you're tough, even though you just basically blocked out all feeling, you know, and, and one's a much, uh, maybe a little bit more of a roller coaster of an experience at times, but it's a better life to have access to your internal world than it is to be, you know, numbed out and like a robot walking through, uh, basically unaffected by everything and even yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking at one point when you were, when you were talking from the storyteller's point of view that, uh, and I know you kind of call it like you, you don't kind of, you call it the, like the rock bottom moment and how many stories that you can look to and how many stories have this, a very similar sort of theme or pattern to it of you've got your, your main character who is going through their life and certain and certain things are going on in it and they're going like I'm okay I'm okay I've got this I'm okay I've got this and things just keep on getting worse and worse and worse and worse until they're they've hit that rock bottom where they are com- they've completely come are coming apart and they finally say it's just like I don't got this I don't got this and I'm not okay. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a mess, you know, I'm a complete mess. And it's like, finally, it's like, you know, that through that acknowledgement, which in some ways, you know, in a, in, in most of the great stories, it's like, you see that that thread was always there, you know, even from the beginning when things were actually looked to be all right, things were not, you know, everything was not okay. (laughs) All things were not were not right in in their world at at the beginning, and it just took it just took this thing to keep on getting worse and worse and worse for them before they finally were able to recognize it and admit it to themselves, and then and then that's when there's the upswing, you know, that's when the upswing begins to happen, right? Where suddenly it's like now you actually are okay now you actually now you actually do got this but it took in a weird way that acknowledgement that awareness that that full acceptance of the fact that you are not were not whatever it is and again kind of going back to our our conversation about joseph campbell right like it's that's part of that that's one of the great human the great human myths you know what I mean? Not myth is in like it's bullshit, but myth is in like it contains a, it contains a, a, a lesson for us about who we are as human beings, hmm. right? Which is, we sometimes go through these things, and sometimes we we suffer a great deal, and perhaps even suffer quite needlessly to a large to a large extent, um, but that through that process through that that thing and coming to that that point of stillness and silence within ourselves where we can finally in that sort of quiet acknowledge 
and be honest with ourselves about this is where I'm actually at in this moment. Mm -hmm. You know, not in some idealized sense of who I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to be, but who I actually am and where I actually am. And, and from that, there is that, as you say, the catharsis, right? Not only for them, but for us as audience members, if we're watching the story, but you know, this is that it's, that's something that we experience in our lives. You know, that's something that we go through in our lives. So often it it's, we, we can probably all look to moments in, in our own experiences where we can go, oh yeah, I remember when I hit just this low point and that was finally the moment that I was able to realize and admit that I was in a terrible relationship and I walked away from it. And I wish I'd walked away from it years ago, right? Or, you know, I realized that I was, you know, pursuing the wrong thing. I was, I was in the wrong field. I was in the wrong career and I was miserable and the money was coming in. So, which was fun and great, but, you know, I realized it wasn't making me happy and it was never really was making me happy. You know, like it was, you know, there's, we have all, there's so many ways in which that story plays out, but there's a common theme to it, which was like, I thought I was doing this thing and I was living this thing and it wasn't the real thing. And then when I got honest with myself, I saw what the real thing was and I went, Oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, I've been talking a lot, Brandon. Uh, No, it's, it's good stuff. I mean, I, I, I think something that's coming up for me right now about all this is the whole idea of the ego and how the ego plays a part in, in all of this, because I look at the ego this way. I look at the ego like the ego is the character that you decided to play in this life and you double down on it and you commit to it. You say like, this is who I am. You know, this is, this is who I want to be and all of that stuff. And just like, understand that you, maybe you don't agree with me, but like, like you're choosing all of that. Like everything you think you are and and who you are in this world, like those are all choices that you basically are committing to. And, and, and when you're doing it because you're authentically doing it, like, like it's true in your heart and you're like, I have this curiosity, this expression, this thing, like that's almost not even really ego because it is ego in a sense, but it's not, it's, it's almost like a healthier ego in a way. And because what's happening is, you're, you're becoming something almost inadvertently. You don't realize you're becoming this person. And then the world starts to identify you that way. And maybe you take that on and that's where it gets a little dangerous. But like, for the most part, when you just follow your heart and your curiosity, basically you, you, you become someone in this world, but like, that's a little bit more of a true, it's almost, it's almost a non-choice but it's the choice to follow your heart and be authentic. I think where the lot of the issues come in is where we have an unauthentic ego decision, meaning that we do it because all oh, people will like me. If I do this, this will impress people. This will look good on me. You know, um, if, if, if I do this, this will look bad. So let me not do that, you know, um, or I don't want to be perceived this way. All of that stuff is is the ego that's the false self that's protecting you but those are choices as well but they're a little less inauthentic and they come more often out of cowardice as opposed to courage because 
it's it's actually and this is a hard lesson i've had to kind of learn in my life it's actually cowardly to need to be liked by people it's courageous when you have a true choice inside of you a true authentic push and that will mean that people might not agree or like you for it but you do it because it's right and true inside of you and we are constantly faced with this choice do i follow my heart or do i follow um this image and i think a lot of what um, waiting for the perfect moment or waiting to be in the perfect moment that's following the image whereas if you just followed the heart the heart is always ready to to jump into whatever it is that you you think and if you get really really connected to it and you really recognize the fragility of your life and how it can just be gone in a moment you begin to see why listening to your heart is is much more important because if you don't you might never get that chance again and hopefully you don't learn that lesson too late in life hopefully you can learn that lesson early and and it's a real gift to learn it early because it gives you so much more time with your true version of like self expression and a lot of people they spend a lot of, a lot of life um basically designing their life around a false image and and this is just my opinion and my observation and look maybe i'm incorrect but i just think that the mistake you're talking about evan is that false self it's that image based um you're trying to control and manipulate how you look and and who you want to appear to be in this world and you don't like it sometimes when the truth comes out about who you really are but if the truth comes out at least you can face it and you can deal with it and you can respond to it but if it's always the false version of you i mean you just get further and further away from who you really are and and it leads to a bad place i can tell you that for sure it, it always leads to a bad place because eventually the mask that you're put on it comes off and it usually comes off when you don't want it to happen and it comes off and it shows you something that you don't want to see and everyone else might just see it as well and that's brutal you know if that happens that way for you but sometimes it's necessary you know but uh, less mask the better off you are i think which is be in this moment yeah and uh and it's definitely easy to be a fake person these days you know where it's so it's so we have so much control over how we curate things to a certain extent um you know even yeah no that's that i i don't really feel like going into that i, I had a thought for a second i'm just like no that's a whole that's a whole can of worms it's a whole that's a whole different can of worms but um yeah you know it's it's interesting there's you know we all i think deal with this deal with this problem as human beings of of being enough um and and that's something that i you know i i feel like is such an important thing for us to do and and is a huge part of you know how i see um you know like the stuff that i i do in like my classes with with actors is just like no you're enough you know my my old teacher used to he would say um 
It's like, don't say that you want to be the next Brad Pitt because we already got one. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we already have a Brad Pitt. Like, we need the next you. You know, like, we, we, who are you? We want that. Give us that. Because we've already got a, we've already got a Brad Pitt. Who are you? And that requires in so many ways, like, there's a huge letting go in that, in that process. And I, I know this from my own personal experience and, and from the students that I work with, there's all of these, as you're saying, masks that we, that we put on, we try and curate this image that we put out to other people. And for, in my experience, I've also discovered just how futile a gesture that actually is how many people I've worked with who've come through and they're like, Oh my God, like I thought that this was the person that I was giving off to everybody. I didn't realize that all of this shit that I have going on inside me, people are picking up on it. Hmm. Like didn't realize it's like, yeah, like that's the thing is like, we can, we we're not as good at fooling people as we sometimes think we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, like we, we, we often, um, there are things that we're carrying around with us that, you know, our friends or family or coworkers, acquaintances, what, whatever it is, they're like, you know, if you were to tell them, they'd be like, yeah, I kind of had a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I had a feeling that there was something going on there. Um, you know, and sometimes your friends and whatever that these people ask you about, sometimes they don't, um, but this, this whole thing of, of putting these images out of who we are as if who we are is, is not enough, you know, as if what we got is not enough. And in relationship to this conversation, you know, like this, this perf perfection, waiting for this perfect moment, waiting to be this perfect thing for the moment, you know, it, it's, there's nothing to be done. There's nothing to be done. And in fact, that's uh, from, from what I've read in a lot of books, that's basically enlightenment. That's, you know, enlightened people seem that that's what's happened to them. They, yeah. they kind of have this realization that like, oh, I don't have to be anything. I don't have to be anyone other than, than what I am. And not just as some sort of like, yeah, that's a really nice idea and we try and live our lives that way. And, you know, it, it's, it's like, no, not, not just on that level. They actually, they get it. They fully realize that it's like, oh, there's nothing that I have to do. There's not no one else that I, I have to be in order to be enough. Mm -hmm. You know, like I am enough and I've always been enough. I think that that's like, that's, that's such a tremendous thing that, that, that unleashes within us incredible creative potential you know our our fullest creative potential comes out of us when we are able to really accept that mm. i don't think you can feel love for real if you get people to love you for the image of who you are because you'll always know that and even if you've convinced yourself that that's who you are which is even worse. You will 
always feel this little bit of lacking, this, this kind of missing thing. And the reason why that is, is because the entire world is a projection. You don't see the world as it is. You see it how you are. And that is a definite. And the reason why I know that, and I can prove that in an instant, is that you and I can both look at a piece of food or something like that, and you can think that looks delicious, and I can think that looks gross. And we're looking at the exact same thing, but we're looking at it the way we are. And so when you look out at the world, you look out at the world the way you are. And so if someone can give you all the love that they can possibly muster up, and if you don't love yourself, because every time you choose your ego over yourself, which means is you don't love yourself, you don't accept yourself, you have to be something else. Then when someone looks at you and gives you love, you couldn't possibly experience that through who you really are. You could only experience that through your ego, which means that even if you could feel it, you'd experience them loving your ego, but you wouldn't experience them loving you, which means that you wouldn't love me if you knew who I really was. Mm -hmm. And it's also symbolic and representative of the fact that you don't yet love yourself. So there's a great cost with the ego. And when you choose it and you go down that road and, it, and don't get me wrong, it can get you a lot of things in this world. It doesn't, it's, it's effective. That's why we use it. I mean, it can get you success and it can get you wealth and it can get you fame and fortune and all sorts of things like this. It can get you attention, recognition, whatever you're looking for. The problem is, is that other people will enjoy that of you maybe, but you won't enjoy it of yourself. And that's why it's not worth it. So you think you want it, but you really don't. And, you know, and, and it's sometimes very difficult to convince someone why that's true. Um, but just try to always go back to the point of view that the whole world is, is the way you see it and everything you like and don't like and everything you identify, that is in you. That is something that is already in you. And you've, if you aren't able to deal with it, it means that you haven't healed it, you haven't worked it out, you haven't processed it. Um, and, um, you know, be mindful of your judgments because every judgment you make on another is actually just a judgment of you, you know? Um, so like being good in the moment and being, and realizing that there is no perfect moment that, that you are perfect as you are, is just seeing that like you're a human being and that where you're at is really like, if you're really true and honest and real about it, like there's something undeniable about that. There's something just, there's something just like, we can accept it because it's honest. And I'll say one last thing about all of this, Evan, is like, people don't realize that there are always two people in your world. There's the you you play, and there's the you that's experiencing you play. At least two people. And the person that is experiencing you play, that is experiencing you ego, <laughs> is always watching. So you are never getting away with anything and don't ever convince yourself otherwise. Like just because no one else saw it, you still saw it. That part of you still saw it and it saw it and it took it in and it will never forget. And it will always remember. And so you, you, you cannot beat that one experiencer. It is always watching. And every time you try, you cheat yourself.
And if you can, if you can really own that, man, you will free yourself of so much heartache, so much pain, so many of these problems. But, you know, you have to remember, like, there's the you that you play the image. And then there's the you that watches all the images you try to play out. <laughs> and they're always there going along this ride with you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, everybody, this is Evan. And this episode is brought to you by my book. Yes, I recently released a book called The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft. Expand yourself as an actor and your craft through a spiritual perspective. Take a journey that will explore universal philosophies and insights to help you understand human nature in a profound way and develop practices to take your work to another level. Again, that's The Actor's Awakening, Connecting Spirituality to Craft, available on Kindle and paperback on Amazon. And as always, if you like the show, please subscribe. You remind me of this question that I remember at a friend's house. It was, they had like this, not a game, but it was like a conversation starters, you know, like just these cards you can get and you draw a card and it's a question of some kind. And there was this one that I remember from some time back. And the question was, would you rather really love yourself and be despised by everybody else or despise yourself and be loved by everyone else. <laughs> and it's quite a question. It's quite a question. It exposes something. Yeah. Yeah. Just by, and just by the, the need, the need to have it one way, it exposes something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, I elected to say, it's like, I think I would, prefer to, to, to love myself because if I loved myself, then I'd be able to deal with all the people, you know, who didn't like me, <laughs> you know, it's like, if I had true, genuine, like truly genuinely accepted who I was and, you know, whatever that would be doable, but, you know, to just despise yourself, despise the person that you are, um, you wouldn't be able to receive all the the wonderful things from everyone anyhow, right? That was my thinking about it. Live, least. so live by their acceptance, die by their rejection. Or yeah, you can yeah. put that in a variation of ways. But when you live for praise, you die by the opposite. That's why you should look at praise or acceptance or any of that stuff equally to rejection or all that stuff. Because this world outside here if you let that dictate you, you will never experience yourself. And there is a great, great cost, which is, I believe, far worse. Um, you know, and and I, I catch myself every now and then. It's like, oh man, like I just I don't want to be disliked. It's not even so much that I want to be liked. I just don't want to be disliked. So I'm like, ah, maybe I won't say it. Maybe I won't do it. And I've been pushing myself to be like, let it go, man. Just let it go. Like whatever this thing you're hanging on to here about being afraid of being disliked, just let that go. And just, if it's true and you feel that's real for you, just let them dislike you. But I've, I've been really like, and this has been a transformational process that's been, that's been at work for many years now, but is like, instead of needing to be liked or rather not disliked, why don't you aim to be respected and honest and true? And, and 
let that be you let let that be you because at least if you do that at least if you do that you'll always be able to live with yourself and you'll always be okay with you whether you're alone or not and i have found that by doing this it actually has polarized a lot of things and and one of the benefits is it's brought really amazing more truthful and honest people into my world but it's also polarized and pushed out people that are less honest and more in ego and so don't get me wrong those people who are more in ego i still have an affinity for them in spite of the fact that they might not accept the fact that i am being more real and less in the ego that they want me to sit in 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 their conformity right whatever you want to call that but i still have an affinity for them i haven't lost that but they may have lost that for me while they're in the ego but i i am certain that if they were just more honest with themselves they would actually appreciate me a lot more even if they disagreed with me but they'd appreciate the fact that i was being real with them and not some pretend version of me with them because then we're all just playing make believe anyway so who cares you know what i mean but it's a challenging thing like don't get me wrong like i i, I and, and my heart goes out to anybody who's struggling with not wanting to be disliked or wanting to be accepted wanting to be liked like i get it like i know what it's like to be bullied i know what it's like to be ostracized i know what it's like um it's it's very challenging to go through that process but if you if you dare the the, the other side is much more beautiful but you have to go through kind of a dark valley to get there and that's a scary thing you know because when you're in that valley also i think there's a feeling like oh maybe i'll never get out and that's uh you know and it's hard to trust that that valley does end but it does if you stay the course it it will end you know just don't go back you know just keep staying the course you will get through that hardship of polarization you know and transformation too yeah and the thing is is yeah an authentic person typically ruffles some feathers yes <laughs> but authentic people usually end up doing some of the most extraordinary things as well um but certainly they do ruffle some feathers and uh and it doesn't it doesn't come without a certain cost Right. But the alternative, I would say, is much, much worse. Because then it's, you know, like there, there's the old who said it again. I, I should probably know who said this, but, you know, like know thyself. Yeah. Right. Know thyself. Um, and countless others have said, you know, like the there's no sort of greater thing for you to learn about in your life than to know who you are. Mm -hmm. I would also the, like, yeah. I would also, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I'd also say like, be just be mindful of labels. Like don't label yourself stuff. Like, like there, you know, it's something that I try to work on with a lot of clients and stuff. Cause people say, well, I'm, I'm really organized. I'm a really organized person. Or I'm real. I'm a planner. It's like, just, so, so what's happened is you've planned a lot. And you felt you were successful at it and you felt like that's something and now you're saying that you're that and you're not, you just developed the skill to plan. But like, 
you know, if, if you are working with me, I might actually do an exercise with you to prove to you that you're actually not that because are you the greatest planner of all time? Are you really that good? Have you taken account of every other planner in the world? Are you amongst the best planners or actually you're not a very good planner? You know what I mean? Like, like you don't know what you are as far as these labels go. And I think that we need to be really mindful of that because to bring this back to the conversation, you know, in the moment, if you're a planner and you don't feel like you've planned out enough, you can't act in that moment because, well, I haven't planned it out. I'm a planner. I plan. That's what I do. I plan. And it's like, maybe you don't, maybe if you're not a planner that you just know how to plan when necessary, and you can abandon the plan when necessary, you're free to be whatever you want in this moment. And maybe a planner is not serving you in this moment. You know what I mean? And so like, one of the things I just really try to encourage upon everybody is like, don't label yourself and don't label others. Stop doing that. That's not, not only is it not fair to you, it's not fair to everyone else either. People are so much more than these labels that we are constantly just handing out, you know? Yeah. They're not, people are usually not all that. They're so much more. And when you minimize them into these, like you're a punk or you're this or you're whatever, it's like, yeah. no, you're, 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 you're undermining the expansiveness of that human being and yourself, because if you're labeling them guaranteed, you're labeling yourself. Mm-hmm. And that can become uh, dangerous. Totally. Ways. It can, it can become violent. Um, you know, we can see, see that happen in, in all kinds of different circles where identification becomes way, way, way too strong. Right. I'm this, I'm this, and you become really and you're that. <laughs> yeah, and you're that. And 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 those views can become so extreme that that's a conflict too. And that that leads to that leads to some some really, really terrible things. Can lead to some really terrible things. It absolutely can. And we've seen in history that it that it most often does. Um so here, here to bring it back to the this conversation, right? Waiting to be in the perfect moment. A lot of people they're like, once everybody sees it my way, once everybody sees it this way, then, then it'll work out. Then it'll be okay. It's like, no, man, that's not, that's not going to happen. And it's not going to work because if everybody sees it that way, now everybody has a blind spot, which is the same blind spot you have right now <laughs> that you can't see because you think they have a blind spot and maybe they do. But here's, here's what you do. I look at it this way. You have two people, you have two universes. And if those two universes can find common ground, that is the place in which we exist. Don't try and make someone your universe. You are your own universe and they are their own. And you've done exercises even on this podcast, Evan, where you talked about um, internal representations that people have based on certain scenarios, right? Or like when I say mother, not everybody has the same experience of what a mother is. Mm-hmm. You know, not everybody has a positive experience of what a mother is and not everybody has a negative experience. And, you know, and it's just, it is what it is. It's an entirely different universe. And you're bringing together internal representations, internalized ideas and relationships, and you're meeting them with another person. And they're never going to see it exactly the way you see it because they didn't live your life. And 
when you stop trying to make everybody you, the world becomes this wonderful place of exploration. Every new person becomes a new universe to explore. And maybe you don't want to explore it, but like understand that they everything in their universe to them is justified and makes sense. Even if it doesn't make sense to you from their perspective, in their shoes, going through their life, that works for them right now. And it makes sense to them. And it, it, it might be not the best, but also we all didn't come from perfect childhoods and perfect uh, things. And if you think you did, by the way, you are wrong. Because even if you had perfect parents and you think, oh, I had all the money and all these things, I'm telling you there are holes. <laughs> there are problems, even with the way you grew up. If you're sitting on your little high horse here saying like, oh, I, I was perfect. You know, everything was great for me. There's blind spots you have, you know? Like if you had massive wealth, you have blind spots to poverty. If you had massive poverty, you have blind spots to wealth. And, and there are blind spots all over the place. You didn't come into this world like with a, a ominous, like kind of like omniscient, I mean, perspective of everything. Mm -hmm. you just don't. You find it as you go. And coming to the table with those experiences, right? Sharing those experiences, not as a way as that's a judgment on yourself or a judgment on other people, but through the sharing of those experiences, we're richer for it, mm -hmm. right? Kind of, again, bring this back around to waiting to be in the perfect moment or waiting to be perfect in the moment. Yeah, it's like, well, <laughs> give us what you got. Show us what you got. You know, like about who you are, who you actually are. Uh, and that's, that is so much of the artists, you know, the, the challenge that, that the artist faces is what is that and how do I share that? Yeah. How do I express that? You know, that's, that's one of the most fundamental challenges of, the artist, but it's a beautiful challenge to, to take on because maybe through that sharing that connects us to a part of ourselves or that connects us to other people in a way that we, that we relate to it more deeply, that we relate to others more deeply. Um, and that can only come from that can only come from when you have that sort of self-acceptance, you know, with, you know, with all of your, your perfect imperfections, so to speak, right? Like we just, there, there's a part of us, we just love, we just eat that shit up when people actually share with us those imperfections about themselves, mm -hmm. you know, like we just like, oh, wow, look at that. They're a human being too. <laughs> It's like, it's like, yeah, of course, of course it's, but it's funny. We can, we so easily forget. We so easily forget that we're all human beings, mm -hmm. which should be the most obvious thing for all of us, but we forget and we say and do all kinds of nasty shit to other people and to ourselves, we say all kinds of, usually mostly to ourselves. 
We say shit to ourselves that we would never even dare speak to, to another human. Mm-hmm. You know, that's like, a, that. there's that old kind of, I don't know what it is. It's like a piece of guidance or wisdom or whatever, you know, where it's just like, well, those things that you're saying to yourself, would you say those to someone else that you know? And for most of us, we go, no, like I would never say anything like that to anybody. For the most part, we don't even, wouldn't even necessarily believe it about another human being, even ones that we know really well, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, but yeah, sorry, go ahead, Brandon. Looks like you had something there. Oh, well, yeah, I, okay. I want to actually, I do want to comment more on that because I think that's great, but like, let's, let's bring it back to the, the, the point of the conversation, if you don't mind, because I do feel like this is all related, but um, you know, we're going, I, I also feel like we're going down a bit of a rabbit hole that um, is a little bit off point. So I want to bring it back to the whole thing. If you're waiting to be in the perfect moment, it assumes that something is wrong with this one. And to bring this kind of parallel to what we were just talking about, if you're waiting to be somebody else, it assumes that there's something wrong with you right now. And I think what Evan and I are both trying to work out is that how do we recognize that right now is not a problem that you can work with this moment as it is, and you can still aspire to be whatever it is that you're moving towards and the direction you're trying to go and who you're trying to become. But while you're doing that, why don't we just embrace this part of the journey as just as perfect as when we get wherever it is we think we're supposed to be getting to, um, you know, and, you know, like maybe you're on a hike and, you know, to go back to that common analogy we use and you're, you're, there's a big waterfall and this beautiful view or something at the end of it. Right. And you're like, I can't wait till I'm there, but most of the hike is getting there. And this is like life, right? So like, while you're getting there, why not enjoy the getting there, you know? Um, and, and, you know, yeah, it might not be as flashy, but also you don't know if the destination is going to be as, as much as what you think it is or the promise you think it is either. And if you just keep neglecting these moments, chances are you won't ever get to the view anyway, because you'll just have hated the ride all the way there and it won't be worth it. But if you enjoy the whole ride, whether you get there and it's beautiful or not, you'll be like, wow, what a great journey to get here. You know? And I think like that's so much about what this conversation is, because when you're doing your art, you're always in the middle, you're in the process. And we had a conversation about this, how like the law of process, everything is in process all the time. And so, you know, waiting for the process to begin is the problem. <laughs> the process is happening now. <laughs> you're in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, I'm going to have to pull this up. It was a great quote that, um, I just read from as uh, anyone who's listened is just going to roll their eyes. But of course, uh, the one and only Alan Watts, nice. um, that, uh, is great. Uh, I love, I, I'm starting to get in the habit of like pulling more quotes from 
from like actual stuff that I'm reading, <laughs> you know, cause it's like so often there's like great quotes that you read and they're like, not the ones that people commonly post or share or whatever of, of this person. Um, uh, it's this, uh, here it is for the human being. So for the human being is not a thing, but a process, not an object, but a life. It's a short one, but I thought it was a great, great one for the human being is not a thing, but a process, not an object, but a life. Mm. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's interesting because, you know, to, to contextualize it perhaps a little bit more, it's, you know, he's talking about sort of our, very often our perceptions of ourselves. We see ourselves very often in this mechanistic, um, objective kind of fashion. And it's just like, we're not objects, you know, we're not, we're not things, you know, we are a process human beings are a process that are a part of a process, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I, I'm glad you, you, you kind of swung this, this back around in, in some regards and it's, it's brought for me back in this, this thing of judgments, which we talked about a little bit earlier, um, that maybe is worth exploring a bit more. Um, but it's something that I say to my students, all the time because the work that I take them through is all, you know, it's just kind of a vehicle of, of actually, how do you explore the reality and truth of the moment and stay in that space with another person? You know, that's to, I think that's a fairly apt description of it. But one of the things that through that process that is so fascinating to me is when, you know, sometimes I'll pause my students in the middle of, of doing this exercise and be like, Oh, Hey, did you notice, did you notice when your partner, um, kind of looked away from you for a second there and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I, I did see that, but I thought that, you know, that, that was like, you know, we were like, I was looking for something else or I was, there was something else that I thought was maybe more important for me to comment on. And I was like, okay, but you saw that, right? And they're like, yeah, I did. And I was like, okay, so why wasn't that good enough to comment on? Why was, why was that observation? Why is that thing that you took in, that you noticed, that caught your eye, that caught your attention, not good enough? Mm. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't know. And it's just like, well, yeah. So now, now the thing is like, we've learned a lesson here, but now like, don't judge the things that you're seeing. Don't judge the things that you notice. Don't judge the, those things that come to you because you have no idea. And this is the whole point that I, you know, at least one of the main points that I'm trying to say to them is you don't know where that thing would have led to had you, had you took that in and expressed it, Right. Oh, you just, you, you just looked away from me. I did just look away from you. You just looked away from me. I just looked away from you. You didn't want to address that. I didn't want to address that. You know, like it, it can go into somewhere. People are probably like, what the fuck is he doing right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I forget but, sometimes that not everybody understands what uh, the Meisner process and, and, and it all is, you know? Yeah. But it, it is just an exploration that you can do with another person that helps you to just really see another person and you just basically acknowledge 
what you see, what you perceive in them, and they're doing the same to you. And you just kind of go on this ride together of exploring that thing from moment to moment to moment. Um, but that is one of the interesting things about that work and in, in, as it pertains to this conversation, um, you know, it's like, you just don't know, you just don't know. And the judging mind is constantly just stepping in there and saying, this isn't good enough to show, this isn't good enough to, to say to somebody. And, you know, I do think that there are, there are certain times in which we can discern and say, you know what, this actually isn't useful now. Mm. You know, like this is not actually something that's useful for me to do or say or whatever at this moment in time. That, but I think that far too often, I think that far too often we are not allowing something that is important to be said or to be expressed or to be acknowledged to come through, um, to let the parts that are true about ourselves to, to have their, to have their, their moment. Right. And, and it sometimes doesn't strike the sort of ego rational mind as something to do or to share mm. that it's like, Oh, if you do that, they might think this of you, or if you do that, um, yeah, like people might think less of you. People might think that you're crazy people might think that you're stupid people might think that um you know all of these these different things and and more often than not the repression of when those things are going on in your head i think that that's that's the voice to ignore right that's the voice to ignore is like when it's as we've been discussing when it's that thing of Oh, well, people think that I'm blah, 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 blah. You know, that's the reason why you're not expressing yourself in that moment then is not for particularly good reasons, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed to saying something like, oh, you know, this person who I'm with right now is going through a really tough emotional situation right now maybe it's not an appropriate moment for me to, <laughs> you know, bring up this thing while this person, but you know, like those, those moments are usually fairly obvious. You know, those moments are usually fairly clear when it's just like, Hey, just give yourself a second. You know, it's not that this is a no for you to express this, but maybe just not at this particular moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's, I think, I think one of the things is like, we, you know, as you're going through your, your life and doing your thing, I mean, there's a certain amount of you're, you're learning, you're learning how to do things in a way that works on a social and cultural level. So there is a certain amount of watching yourself where you, you know, you, you know, that it's inappropriate to say something, even though it's true for you. Um, but I think you want to, you want to kind of do it in a way where you go like, okay, like there's the thought and then there's the action or there's the feeling and maybe a thought as well or whatever. And the action, you don't always have to act on the truth. Something can be true for you and you can keep it to yourself if it's not, uh, if it's not appropriate to share. And like, 
for example, like there are things when you get really honest with yourself that you begin to see and you could acknowledge them and point them out. But sometimes people can't handle the truth and they're not prepared for it. And it's not, um, it's not really appropriate. A, a good example of this might be like, um, uh, how, how do you even give an example? It's, it's challenging because it's like you're being honest about what you really think or how you really feel but it's not appropriate for you to share how you really think and feel because it would just cause hurt in that person. And because they're so caught in ego and identity and how they look to you and they're really looking for your approval, maybe it might not be appropriate for you to lay down something that you see so, so bluntly or so blatantly for them because they won't be able to take it on the chin. They won't be able to take it straight on. Mm -hmm. So having tact and being mindful about how you act and the way you relay your authentic truth when it comes to other people, you know, it doesn't mean you just throw out care and, and, and empathy and compassion and all of that stuff. Um, you have to, you have to be mindful to pick your battles, but I think in your internal world, just be honest with yourself. Like, here's what I really think, but I'm going to say this. Uh, or do this or not do this because I'm being compassionate. I'm being caring and I'm being polite. I don't, this isn't really all of the truth here, but like, I think there is a, is, is there's a time and place. And, um, you know, you might find that as you become more honest and truthful with yourself, that there's not always a place for you to be as fully true and honest with everyone else in your world. And so you have to look at it like there's two parts of you there's the really true part of you that you know and then there's the real there's the that amount of truth that you feel comfortable and willing and that you decide is okay to share with the world the world is at least at this juncture in our humanity process where many of us are caught in ego so when people come out and they're true and they're walking around in this world, it ruffles a lot of feathers for people who want conformity and they're into labeling and they're into uh, oversimplifying who a human being is and all of that, right? And someone comes out and, you know, they show a side of themselves. The person that's into labeling and ego goes, oh, that side you showed, that's you. You're all that side you showed me. That one thing I saw you do, that is you, that is all encompassing mm -hmm. you, and that's who you are. And really, that person is like, well, no, that's a side of me. That's a part of me, is as it is probably a part of you, but it's just what you're seeing in this moment. Mm -hmm. And so a, a more truthful, honest person actually has many ego options they can kind of go to if they want because they realize they are none of those egos and they're not over committed to one whereas most of the world in my opinion and observation is they're 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 not just that they're over committed to one they don't even know the difference between their ego and the fact that they're choosing it which is part of their challenge so you know you can only be as honest sometimes with people as they are ready to hear the truth of you. Um, and, and, and I mean that truth in a very subjective personal way. I don't mean that as the truth. It is the truth, you know, yeah. comes down from whatever, 
but <laughs> your truth is not always going to be um, something that everyone in the world is ready to hear. And just be okay with that. It's a kind of compassion. It's being understanding that, you know, they're just not ready to get the full version yet. Mm-hmm. And if they are, they will let you share that with them. And, and, you know, you will earn that trust and respect to open up to them. But if you just spill it all out, like, here's who I am, here's the blah, blah, blah. It's like, they might not be ready to hear that. And that just might, you know, mm-hmm. kill it off before it even starts. Um, you know, so I, I mean, I don't know if that's, and maybe that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you know, maybe that's okay too. Maybe that's the way it needs to be. I mean, you know, I think I, my point though, Evan, is just that as we're going through, through all of this, like, um, being true in the moment is not always about what actions you take. Sometimes it's just about the acknowledgement of the thought and feeling you have without necessarily acting on that thought or feeling. Well, I think, uh, I feel like this conversation is um, hitting its sort of fatigue point for me. <laughs> um, I don't know about you. So let's, let's, let's talk beer for a second. Uh, I'm drinking Space Kitty. Nice name. Space Kitty from Parallel 49. It's, they classify it as a juicy IPA. And uh, it's good. It's really nice. It is a juicy IPA. I feel like it's deserved its title. (laughs) So that's good. Oh, it's actually fairly low for an IPA. It's like 5%, which is pretty low for, for an IPA. Very Mm -hmm. drinkable, very nice. Parallel 49. They, they're, they're pretty, they're pretty consistently knocking, knocking stuff out pretty well. So that's it. (laughs) <laughs> nice. I've never had that one. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you did. I, I, on this podcast did not have a beer, but I, I made myself a, uh, a really nice latte with a little bit of hazelnut and, um, what was good. And now I'm drinking, uh, purified alkaline water, which I can tell you this it's at Berkeley, um, their purifying system. And then, I put it through this alkaline process. It is like some of the best water I've ever tasted in my life. Like unbelievably good. You just like, and then you drink stuff. I went out to like the keg or something, which is considered a decent restaurant. And I had their water and like, I could taste the chlorine in it. And I was like, Oh my God. Like I like, like I'm ruined. Now I need like good water. Cause I, cause I can actually, you know, and when you don't know, you don't know, but Anyway, good water, man. It makes good coffee and everything else better. So very I'm nice. Always, I'm always pushing water on people. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, do you have any final thoughts or do you want me to go first? No, I, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll go okay. ahead. Um, I'm yeah. Like I'm, I'm happy. We went into this conversation. It went into some areas and, and took some detours into some places that uh, I hope were relevant for people still, but uh, it was, it, was always as always an interesting conversation for me um and yeah i think that uh as as far as final words is i'll just sort of pick up where sort of leaving things off and it's just like is is trying as much as possible watch those judgments you know watch those judgments that that you have 
you know, particularly of yourself and, and try to not judge your situation. Try to not judge the person who you are. Catch yourself. Sometimes I do this. Sometimes I, I, you know, when I'm in a social environment, it's weird being in social environments again, um, <laughs> you know, getting used to being in social environments again. Um, but, you know, sometimes I'll catch myself being like, oh, I'm, even if I'm just standing or listening to somebody who I've just met at, at something, sometimes I, I, I become aware of that I'm, I'm trying to hold myself together in some way. I don't really know how else to describe it. You know, it's like, I'm trying to, I'm, I've, I've, I'm wearing something. I've got some kind of a mask on. It just feels really subtle, but it's, it's there. And I'm like, I'm holding myself in a certain kind of way with this person. I'm, I have this weird sort of tension within myself in the presence of this other human being. And I just remind myself to breathe and just relax you know, that's in, in terms of nice to, you know, this is nice to leave just maybe something kind of nice and practical at the end of this one. But I find so often it's just like, you know what, sometimes you just got to start from the outside in with something, you know, I, I become aware of that, that there's something happening there. And it's just relax your body, breathe, remind myself that I don't have to be anything perfectly enough as I am for this person right in front of me. I don't have to be anyone or anything. And just through that little sort of act and ritual of self-awareness, we can tear down some of the masks. We can tear down some of the walls that we have that say we're, we're not enough, that we're not perfect in the moment. Look, nobody's perfect. Nobody's, which is how many times has that been said in human history? But we keep on saying it because we still don't get it. <laughs> you know, we don't get it of ourselves and we don't get it of other people either. Um, it's all right. The imperfection is so necessary. It's necessary for the whole process of human existence and, and of life. Because as you were saying before, Brandon, if everybody was just like, oh, if everybody just saw it the same way that I do, if everybody just, you know, was like me, I'll tell you what, if everyone was like you, this, this world would be insufferable. <laughs> I mean, some people already think that it's kind of insufferable but it would be insufferable if there, we didn't have the beautiful variety of human beings who have different opinions and different views and, uh, on, on things than you do. It, hmm. would be, it would be a complete disaster. We need different people for the whole functioning. Just like if you look at in nature, there's, there, everything is that process. Everything has that relationship with each other. There's, purple flowers aren't better than red flowers aren't better than trees aren't better than bees aren't better than streams like you know like it's they're a part of a whole process that if you removed one of them 
everything else would be affected by it. Everything else would be less by their absence. Hmm. The world is less by your absence. The absence of who you are, the world is less by it. Hmm. So be you. It's enough. Nice. I feel like I got some steam there on that one, Brandon. You did. You got some good steam going. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you know, you only really notice what agitates you. So think about all the stuff you take for granted because you don't realize what it would be like to not have it. I mean, just really think about that. Because, you, you know, you, you get agitated about things that, that you don't have. You get things, things, things that you think you want and the things you think you need. And if you got what you wanted, guess what? You'd find out something to be agitated about. And then you'd be like, well, we got this, but if only we got this too, and this as well. And then it's like, okay, like how needy are you? Like you need everything. You need everything to be perfect. And then if you got it, what would you do with yourself? Because your whole life is just being agitated clearly about not having or wanting or things not being right. Why not take the perspective that it is actually all right, that it is all okay and it's all wonderful and it's all perfect in its own way and you can work with it and you can play with it and, and accept that the things that you think make you incomplete are part of what give you a chance to feel what incomplete is and part of life is feeling incomplete. You know what I mean? Like incomplete is a part of being complete. Like it's, it's, a it's an unsatisfiable thirst <laughs> that you're trying to quench, you know, waiting to be in that perfect moment. is just going to find another perfect moment that you're waiting for. So why don't you just say, this is the perfect moment. This is, this is what it is. Maybe I don't see it entirely. Maybe I don't understand it fully, but this is it. This is the moment. This is the moment I'm in. So it's perfect as it is. And let's pick a direction and let's walk that way. And let's see what happens when we get over there and we'll see what that looks like. And uh, if things start to go wrong, I hope you have the wherewithal and the wisdom and uh, the humility to admit that you are walking down a path that is not actually a good one, even though you were so certain that you were going down the right one and change course and be willing to shift direction. And I think that a big part of the artist life, whether you're an artist or not, but to be an artist is you're willing to shift gears and change directions and alter course when necessary to serve the greater masterpiece of your journey. Thank you for listening in on our conversation today. We hope you found something helpful that you can carry forward with you. Head over to our website, wayoftheartist.com, for more free exclusive material and learn about the show. If you haven't already, please support us by subscribing to the show, sharing it with people you know, and keeping compassionate, creative conversation going.